Also good at avoiding things that are rude is Sergeant Nicholas Angel. <laughs> Smooth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Joey Hates Movies. I'm Nick Limone, and joining me today we have Coral Frederick. Hi. And last but not least, his name is in the show, Joey Thimian. I just don't know what the word titular means, but does it mean that I'm in the title? <laughs> No, it means you have big boobs. Fuck. Wow. <laughs> That's rude. Very self-conscious about that, Nick. You know that very much. Um, I'm excited to tell you guys that, that I watched Hot Fuzz today. Oh, wow. I went... I had, I had, I had a day off... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which, which isn't that what also, normally happens in unemployment? It's <laughs> also been a way to describe my last two months. I had a day off. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, but you didn't have to use your PTO. I didn't have to use my PTO. It's <laughs> smooth sailing, man. I missed the whole window to talk to the government about how to get unemployment money. Mm-hmm. I should really figure out how to do that eventually. Maybe for the next go around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not hired. Um, I went on a hike. Wow. Got back from my hike, and I'm like, ah, it's time to watch time to watch hot fuzz so i i put the lights on the right setting they were properly dimmed got my notebook out you so you dim your lights you don't turn them off when you watch a movie when you watch a film well i mean i was taking notes so like i don't like to write in the dark Mm. i see i see people because i am occasionally a part of press screenings and i see people with notepads in the theater and i'm just like don't you like i feel like at a point you should be able to just remember things i don't know I feel like I remember most things the, when I watch a movie, and then afterwards I write it down. The human mind is not meant for what you're saying you do. You should be always taking notes. It's all in the head, baby. <laughs> I've lived with you long enough to know that's absolutely not true when you're lying. No, that's that's true. I've always done that in school. Like I, I can't, I can't take notes and and learn like at the same time. I can't ingest. Uh, I. You might be an auditory learner then. I, I have to like like doodle. I have to be doing something unrelated to what mm. I'm being taught to some extent. And that's how I consume my learning. And I, I put it to practice, baby. <laughs> that's what I do. I'm a practical learner. Apply right away. But not Joey. He, he, he got he got this binder full of notes and to each their own. It's just I'm a notes person. Yeah. Like mm. they, they, they feel right. How else do you like... Either you're going to take notes or, like, record everything, and, like, that's... You never go back and look at the recording. What if I told you I had a voice recorder? And I was... When you watch movies. (laughs) (laughs) Just go in the theater. Wouldn't it be complicated to be, like... (laughs) No, just after the movie, I run out and then just shout into my my pocket recorder. What about you, Cora? What do you do? I take notes, usually. But, like, minimal notes. It's mostly... It eases my mind where if I have a thought that I think I need to hold on to, I don't have to worry about remembering it. I can mm. just put it down and then just keep going. So that's more, that's why I do it. That's the go. key. The, the, the feeling of like knowing that you told yourself you're going to remember something or like lose a thought is yeah. one of the worst feelings. I also have really bad memory, <laughs> like really, really bad memory. So <laughs> yeah. But one person who has great memory, <laughs> always a note-taker, Sergeant Nicholas Angel. We are, of course, talking about, uh, you know, last time Coral... Wait, no. Last time it was the community pick, right? It was Up? Yeah, last time we watched Up. The so last time y'all chose Up, 
But this time I got to choose again. And I chose, I think, the first uh, contemporary-ish comedy, something made after 2000s. What other comedies have we watched? Uh, Airplane. Oh, that's right. I always forget is, about is that. Is Crank comedic? <laughs> it's funny, but I don't think that's the intent. I know. There's definitely like Maybe some. for the wrong reasons it's yeah, comedic. Yeah, yeah but, but this is actually one of my... One of my fave movies. Mm. This is my my letterboxed. This is in my <laughs> top four. This is the one that people click on my name. It's shown in my top four films. And I was like, I'm curious. I think this movie is... So Hot Fuzz is a movie that I think comedies... How do I say this? I, I feel like in an era now where a lot of old era comedians are like you can't make comedy anymore it, mm. it, everyone's too sensitive nowadays to anybody who says that's just racist to, to hear my my type of humor like oh, why is everyone afraid to hear a joke and they just can't fathom a world where humor doesn't involve putting someone else down in a way that's like punching down right i, I do think that hot fuzz is a shining example of something that is for the most part genuinely wholesome and i think whenever someone is bigoted in it or I think that's what Edgar Wright's brand of comedy is. When somebody is a bigot in it, they're kind of painted as an idiot. And it's just like, oh, this is someone I'm making fun of for behaving this way. So that's why I wanted to see what what someone who's woke like Joey would think about a movie that I would consider a genuinely wholesome movie. I really waver on the idea of woke being a good or bad word. No, I, I you know, and you're just basically not Dane Cook, you know? <laughs> that, wow. <laughs> I really leaped over that far into success. Yeah. Also, the other day, someone on, like, my Instagram story was, like, at a Dane Cook show. And I was like, oh, he still does stand-up? Where is it? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you're going to say you removed them from your friend list. Yeah. <laughs> um, unrelated question, Coral, are you, like, a Band-Aid pulley-offy person or a rippy-offy person? Um, pulley pulley slow pain i'm kind of a pulley person too yeah so then i guess i won't just outright say that i didn't like hot fuzz that that's, much that's okay hmm. I, I kind of slowly go through why i didn't like hot fuzz i, I kind that of much. assumed you wouldn't but i wanted well, to see if but how can our taste be so incredibly different that this can be like a top four letterbox movie for you and i can watch it and like not really feel any emotion because I think it is a movie designed for people who have seen movies. Yeah, you'll have to explain that one to me. <laughs> what, what about I'm still in the process of learning how to watch movies, and I feel like, well, I might be able to pick some stuff up. Like, maybe there is stuff like that that's lost on me. But, like, just just watching Hot Fuzz straight through, giving, giving it all of my attention, I'm like... There, there, there's a lot of points in time where I'm like... <laughs> But never like, ho, ho, ho. But I don't think, I don't think you're a ho, ho, ho type of person. I think you are a, huh, that was funny kind of guy. There was even not, I feel like there was, there was too few huhs. Okay. Hmm. What, what about you, Cor? What's your relationship with Edgar Wright and Hot Fuzz? I'm a big Edgar Wright person. Hot Fuzz isn't my top pick, but I think a lot of that is talking about how it's a movie for people who watch movies. The movies, Hot Fuzz references have never been as much my bag as something like Shaun of the Dead referencing horror movies or just like the general pop culture and something like Scott Pilgrim is kind of more my sphere. Mm -hmm. um, but I like Hot Fuzz. And I think as far as that, like not laugh out loud 
part of it, it's very clever. And even the dumb jokes in it are are composed in such a clever way that it it's that it's it's just smart comedy in that way. So it doesn't make me laugh out loud, but I find it very funny. I feel like I can watch the movie and like I was contemplating to myself like, wow, this is like tight. Yes. Like 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 it feels very tight. Like if I was reading the script or thinking about like how are we gonna make this movie, I feel like ah, this is all this, this is like really well composed from like from like a writer standpoint. But I don't know where that. I I, I feel like I might have enjoyed reading this more than like seeing it. Oh, I don't know that that's the case because I do think that there is a sort of um, like I don't know. There's something nice about seeing like for if in case you didn't know one of edgar wright's like signature like director is trademark it, is it is it cutting to everything incredibly so fast you get whiplash yes it's montage <laughs> it's montage okay. in a way that's like everything becomes a month a montage even if it's mundane something mundane like paperwork which is funny in of itself but it's also like oh that's just using the medium of film to to show something yeah and i think that's that is what he's so good at is that there's never a moment where plot takes over and you're just they're just trying to get through to the next plot beat or the next piece of information like everything you learn is shown to you where every facet of film is like used intentionally and it doesn't waste any time which is hard to think of another director that does that that tightly when whenever i make like bold exclamations like a medium should be good at doing the thing that only that medium can mm -hmm. i i think that edgar wright is the person that i hope to one day be like in that he purposefully writes and directs in a way that's like thinking about people who might be watching every frame to mm -hmm. analyze every morsel of information because every morsel of info does help like complement whatever the point of a scene and or the 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 trajectory for a story is which is super cool like he is telling a story visually and and i think that's what he excels at um but for those who don't know uh hot fuzz is a movie about sergeant nicholas angel who is a top tier cop in L the london pd and he's so good at his job that his superiors are starting to look bad so they send him out into the boonies of the UK into the a small... T I always forget the name of the village. Is it Stanford? Or Stan yeah, Stafford? Stafford. Stafford. Stratford. Stratford, mm. I think. Um, and there he discovers that he might be the best cop in the world, even when it comes to mundane day-to-day -day activities of this small village. But upon closer inspection, he uncovers a massive conspiracy for the, the Stratford elites to help Stratford become the best tourist spot in the world by any means necessary and he has to put a stop to it with the help of some unlikely friends and, and i think that's the the fastest i've ever nice thrown a, a <laughs> plot summary out there but uh i think from the get-go the movie just goes like you were talking about the the how quick it is and like it's just you learn so much info about nicholas angel right from the get-go he walks in and you're immediately presented with all of his accolades in the funniest way possible that you could do like a character history you got a montage of how good he is physically how good he is mentally and just a lot of quirky scenarios that he found himself in that now put him in the position. i like all the scenes that they had to shoot to use for like 
a quarter of a second. <laughs> like, okay, everybody, we're going to do an entire giant setup, and then we're going to get, like, half a second of footage out of it. Mm-hmm. Made, was, was, like, really interesting to me. Um, it, it, it does... I feel like I'm not used to movies or almost anything starting at such a breakneck speed. It's like, hey, we're here. Oh, we're, we're like, going. Like, it's, it's foot on the gas. And I don't think that pace lets up at any point in the movie. I think for the most part, that's kind of the pace for most of the film. Mm. And I think that's pretty cool. Like, that, I think it's the way of showing, like, writers and directors, like, you don't need to stew in a scene. You just get your point across in a clever way and move on. And, you know, have, you know, character, you have an objective, and you have something in their way. Do that, move on to the next scene, and do it <laughs> again kind of thing, which is cool. And I think if you are an aspiring comedy writer, you know, it's what, what's like a rule, a, a, a joke a minute or something like that. You have to go through a script and, hey, there's nothing fun here. Let's add something in. Mm-hmm. I think uh, going back a little bit, I've seen this movie like 20 times, mm-hmm. probably, probably a little bit more. So that's I, wild to me. So I decided to do something a little different this time. I watched it with a director's commentary. Oh, nice. So it was Simon Pegg, who is Sergeant Lin- Nicholas Angel and Edgar Wright. And one thing I learned about this movie is that Simon Pegg co-wrote the movie with Edgar Wright, which I did not know beforehand. Mm. And uh, one thing that they actually revealed that was kind of like a no-duh moment for me was that since they are the writers and Edgar Wright and you know Simon Pegg did direct the movie to some extent, they can leave a lot of things off the page and get away with pulling things over on the studio because if it's not on the page, the studio's like, this movie's so short. Mm-mm. But all the action that unfolds, they already know you know, um, uh, Nicholas Angel gets ready. And so instead of writing, you know, locker montage, uh, weapon montage, they're just like, they already know what that's going to be. So they're like, oh, for writer directors, you can get away with so much if you just write a simple direction (laughs) and know that you're going to make it something super complicated later on to get more money for your movie. So I was like, oh, that's really funny. That's a fun anecdote. I like that. It's clever. But Joey. What, 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 how do you feel about British comedy? Because I feel like it's very different than American comedies. Um, man, have I told you how much I really liked Fleabag? <laughs> Which I feel like the more British comedy I watch, the more that I feel like Fleabag is straight British comedy. Because I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I, I, I feel like British comedy is almost the epitome of, of that huh, we were talking about. Of like, I I understand why this is funny, but I'm not laughing. Mm-hmm. Or like, that's smart for some reason. Which I think is cool, but uh, it, 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 it's, like a, it's like a different experience. It's like a sipping scotch in a, in a bathroom being like, what a good joke instead of like having a belly laugh with my friends. So you're Timothy Dalton in this movie then. <laughs> you're you're the, the head of the, the grocery store. That's what you picture. Yeah, kind of. I think for a frame of reference, what is something that you think is like the funniest thing? Not necessarily oh, man, the best is... comedic, but just the funniest. That's, that's, oh man. Or are you just not really interested in that question? No, like the, the the obvious answer that jumps out into my head. I already is know probably what he's gonna like, say. I already what? know what he's gonna <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna say. Yeah, I know you're gonna. It's say. Nick. Have you met this person? <laughs> he's so fucking funny. I mean, um, come on, <laughs> come on. Um, I, I I guess it has to be some type of physical humor because the first thing that comes into my head <laughs> we know. is like Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, 
It's you're not saying it's Johnny Knoxville in a porta potty that gets launched into orbit. That's Steve-O, but you know, it's whatever. Um, like. It, um, that slapstick then I guess but yeah. that, that feels so not cool <laughs> but, but I would argue that's what Hot Fuzz is it is pure like kinetic comedy everything is so dumb and silly and over the top it reminds me a lot of the commitment to the bit that we saw in Airplane mm-hmm. but less mean <laughs> yeah and not as Slow. Airplane. Every scene in airplane is too long. Every <laughs> everything in airplane is like, wasn't this funny that we did? But whereas this is just like, if you every the the reason why I've seen this movie so many times is because every time I watch it, I see something new that I think is just so clever and fun that like, oh, how did I not see that the first time? But it always contributes to the idea of like foreshadowing. A lot of times, people when they're like. Oh well, of course Timothy Dalton's character is the bad guy. Like, it's so obvious. It's so it's so rote. It's something like mm. it's almost like a bad thing that it's so obvious. But it's like no, because they foreshadow it in literally every scene he's in, and that's good because it's 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 like it's it's your essay. You know, every every sentence is supporting your thesis, and that's what this movie's doing, baby. It's always <laughs> complementing that that thesis to to strengthen the overall point. Of what's the, movie. the what's the thesis of the movie? Well, just that, that it's trying to prove certain things and showcase and basically give you the, show you the work to end up at the answer of why things happened the way they did. Mm-hmm. You see why the NWA is trying to uh, turn Stratford into the best tourist trap possible. You see why Timothy Dalton is so dastardly. You see why Simon Pegg can't turn it off and you see the problem that Nick Frost's character has of just not being able to actually work and it all works in the movie like everything is just like oh yeah I believe that this character behaves this way because x y and z and that's good writing that's, <laughs> how, that's how you that's how you write characters and I, and I think that's the biggest strength of this movie is its strong cast of characters because there's so many there are a lot of characters, and I feel like you almost forget some of them until the third act comes along and everyone, like, comes along to die. And you're like, wow, that's right. We did really get introduced to 30 people. Yeah. But nobody dies in this movie. Nobody dies. Except for... <laughs> except for the murder victims. Well, there, there's, there's two people who die, die, I feel. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess there's a, there's a couple more. But for the most part, there's more people who you think die... But you realize they were just incapacitated at the end of the movie. It's, yeah. Like that's the big thing about the shootout. He, he's Nicholas Angel. He, he's not a killer. Mm-hmm. He's our Batman. He's our British yeah. Batman. I guess is that different in England? Because the rules here are shoot to kill if you're a cop. Yeah. So I guess they're not. They don't do that there. I guess they have like different Miranda rights too. What they yeah. were telling people that are like uh, don't talk or something. I think mm-hmm. I just like to think that Nicholas Angel's so good. He could kill them <laughs> if he wanted to, but he he knows how to take them out. Yeah. He shoots that pot above that lady's head, but that's the funniest. <laughs> that's the funniest knock. You mean ever. to tell me that bear trap didn't kill someone? No, it, they, he's alive at the end of the movie. <laughs> oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> the movie opens on Nicholas Angel being cast out of London and sent to Stratford, and it all unfolds over the course of, I think, maybe my favorite montage in a movie. It's, it's, it's a montage of... You, you see, you are shown and not told that Simon Pegg is moving to the boonies. We have a shot of a cell phone, full signal, him on a train with a plant, him on the train, him out of the train, 
the cell phone signal gets a little bit weaker, and he's in, in an inn. You learn everything about what happened in that few seconds because you, he lost cell service. He's out in the boonies. Now he's in the middle of an inn. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. And then wakes up the next day, and we are presented with the song of the village green as he goes on into a jog, and we meet our central cast of characters. Uh, how, how did you feel about the introduction of Stratford and its community? Um, I, uneasy. Why? Because why does everyone know who this new person is all of a sudden? I guess you've never lived in a small town. <laughs> Right? Well, like, really. But I mean, is there like a presser like, hey, everybody, new sheriff, here's his picture, say hi to him tomorrow. Sheriff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that happens. Whenever there's like a like a big head honcho, like, police force person in, being introduced, especially to a small town, like, that's a thing that gets reported on. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I do think that there is a sense of unease when Nicholas Angel's, you know, Because he's, un he's uncomfortable. Yeah, he, he's uncomfortable, and everyone does seem to know a lot about him and they kind of know where to go to see him mm -hmm. well, what, do you, what do you think about the introduction of stratford coral i i think you get immediately how insular it is which is the other creepy thing is not just that they know about him but that they all know everything about each other and are unconcerned with anything outside of that and that's the creepy small town thing that <laughs> works for me yeah it, it taps into um like I guess this is the only story. I guess there's a, um, the Shadow Over Innsmouth, the, the H.P. Lovecraft story about a dude who goes to a small village. And it's one of those things where they're like, there's an outsider here in this place. He doesn't belong. And they're kind of distrustful and maybe a little hostile towards him. And I think that the way a lot of people think people in the South are in, <laughs> in the U.S. where they're like nice but kind of like shit talk you behind that grin – yeah. Like it's a, it's very similar where they'll they'll put up the front, but they're probably talking talking ill about you. Yeah, and you know he's brought in to be the sheriff and kind of the new head of all this stuff, but you can tell very quickly that he is expected to bend to their rules and their way of life and how they do everything, even though he's theoretically supposed to be kind of like taking over. That's just shut down immediately because that's not how the way things have been done mm -hmm. his morale's kind of shut down immediately too yeah so he's like oh wow like i went from the big leagues to like the worst possible we do scenario. things wrong on purpose because that's how we like to do it yeah. <laughs> i think one of my uh I get, i'm gonna say this throughout the entire but i i love the scene where he's in the 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 pub the 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 night he arrives in stratford and uh he kind of notices kids in the bar and yeah. they're all drinking and he, he immediately presented like, oh, he's the narc. Yeah. You know, he's just immediately is like IDs, please. And it's just the, the sensibility of, you know, when's your birthday? March 30, March 22nd, what year? Every <laughs> year. Like it's just paced so well. Like it's one of those things where everyone wishes they could be this clever in the moment that they're having a real life conversation, but then realize in the shower the next day, something way cooler they could have said. Mm. This, I think this is the possibility that movies afford us. They allow you to have that moment of everyone is so clever and cool and fun. Yep. And that's what I love about Hot <laughs> That's Edgar Wright in general. Just like he's so good at tapping into that, that little pulse. 
It's so fun. And then the, the shot of the braces blinding him. It's so, <laughs> so good. So good. I don't see how that type of wit is different from like other written works or movies or like what makes this so special to you versus i think it's just it's so chock full there's like never it's not 30 seconds of information and plot and then oh we need to sprinkle jokes in every every piece of information is told in a way that is either shot interestingly or delivered in a funny way they don't they don't waste any words on that makes getting to the next thing okay and and i think that unlike a lot of american comedies first one i thought of right now is the hangover i feel like the (laughs) true american classic i mean it is it made so much money (laughs) um i i think that the linchpin in a lot of american comedies like of every scene is the build up to the joke and then we get the punchline move on to the next scene. Yeah. And the joke is usually unrelated to the plot of the movie. It's just something for for like, the lulls. silly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this, I feel like it's so layered on, it's committed to every joke, but it doesn't expect it doesn't wait for you to laugh at it. If you notice it, good. If not, there's probably something else for you to, to enjoy. And and I enjoy its willingness to throw jokes at you, but none of them really need to land. And I do like that every shot we have in this movie, like when when Nicholas Angel arrives at his his hotel, we are immediately presented with the lay of the land. We see their swords that are on the wall that will play into it'll it'll play a central part of a later scene in the movie. And you see bits like that every scene of the movie, stuff that comes into play later on, and it's all it's all like the director's playing fair with you, and and I really appreciate that because it's just. Hey, if you're smart, not not even if you're smart, if you are observant, you will know like, oh, that didn't just come out of nowhere. This is a thing that's been established and it's only inevitable that something like this happens, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I feel like they do a lot of setting up like locations to come back to. You're like, okay, like I'm familiar with this place or like, oh, hey, there was an evidence locker that was bare, that was bare and now it's a war room. And, you know, like that's it's not just like. You, you kind of get the gratification of seeing things transform over time instead mm-hmm. of just like, oh, here's where we keep all the guns. It's like, oh, it didn't used to be this way, but look at everything that's changed. Yeah. And I think that that visual aspect is very impressive because when I try to think of something else that's as like script-wise, just as full of jokes and as dense as a movie like this is, I'll think of something like Veep or even Anchorman. But those are shots so plainly and so like that fake documentary style that's very popular in comedy now Mm -hmm. where there's that's not even really a part of the the plan whereas this is able to kind of keep all of that together at all times which i feel like would be very hard to plan out if i was trying to like (laughs) make a movie it would be really hard to make something that's choreographed as like neatly as this you have to like go back and be like oh man i wish we put the swords on the wall in that scene truly yeah but it's also done in a way that doesn't feel overly indulgent it feels like well why wouldn't you do this if you know this is going to happen later on it it all feels like working backwards yeah, I guess. Yeah, and I really like that. It's just, uh, it's all so neat, and it's something like, like I've always said, after I watched Baby Driver, there's no reason to ever, uh, which is an, uh, Edgar Wright's most recent movie, mm-hmm. um, there's no reason to ever have an action scene now that's not set to music and choreographed to the music in the way that Baby Driver is. Yeah. Like, I really don't understand a reason why you wouldn't do that, yeah. other than it being difficult, because it just makes the action better. Yeah, whenever I watch his movies, I feel like 
it makes other directors look wasteful almost like mm-hmm. you're making a movie you've got hundreds of people working on it you've got all this money like why wouldn't you just just do it this carefully and this i don't know dense and it's it's hard yeah it's very difficult but i think the uh, final product is so much stronger as a result i think a lot of i'm often turned off by a lot of comedies usually because it feels like a group of people talking at each other in a series of rooms with the occasional joke thrown in mm-hmm. and that's the problem i have i'm like that's fine like i i enjoy occasionally laughing but it all just feels like i don't know it feels like it's trying to be a comedy whereas <laughs> this, this feels like it's trying to tell a story while also being funny at the mm-hmm. same time yeah and i, I appreciate that I want to get you to watch some new Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes. <laughs> get, you, get your hot take comparison on them now. <laughs> I've never watched an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't think you have to. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Is it a group of people just talking to each other in a series of rooms with the occasional joke thrown in? I, I think so. I mean, it's close to that. That's, that's like the most recent. I mean, I, I recently watched some episodes because the new season started. And I feel like that's like my what my brain by recency bias wants to compare the comedy to or like what what mm-hmm. you're talking about and being like oh like how would something lazily be done versus like more intricately being done mm-hmm. not to say that larry david's lazy <laughs> if there is going on to the the uh, cops of the village the entire police force do you have a favorite police force member <laughs> It could be as simple as a description. I don't remember any of their names. Oh, I love the Andes. The, the Andy Andrews. With- the, those are the ones I do remember, and they are my favorite. <laughs> what about you, Joe? Do you know who the Andes are? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think I have like no retention skills? No, no. I just. Um, I I kind of like the guy who who doesn't speak clear English. <laughs> the older guy. Yeah. 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 He's great. Um, mostly because I think the scene where three people don't speak English is very funny. Mm. Um, and they're all translating like back for each other, yeah. like and getting mm. slightly less like cockney or something, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. That's, that's always the one that's hard to understand, right? The cockney <laughs> one. But I, I don't think that's the no. dialect they're speaking in. Like, you just call the very... deep South accent like a New York accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, someone's going to be really bad. Yeah, I also still don't think the name of the village is right, but that's fine. Hanford. It, it starts with an S. S. It starts with an S. Sanford. But Stratford's a city that I was in, and it's way closer to London and not that place. Uh, apparently, the village that they actually shot in is the, the small town that Edgar Wright grew up in. Oh, wow. It, it, he called it, it the, the town itself identifies as the biggest village slash the smallest city in Britain, which feels like a very that British description. <laughs> Pick one, like the, do it right. Would like, you want to be either? Like, I don't want to be both poorly. <laughs> yeah. But like the grocery store that they go to in the movie is the grocery store he worked at mm-hmm. cleaning up in the parking lot and picking up shit in. Like, it just feels like a weird, like, imagine like coming up in a small town like that and just like, now I'm overtaking the city <laughs> and making a comedy about yeah. small cities. Like, that's weird great. Weird flex. Yeah, it's great. It's so it's so fun. Especially like a movie that's not just 
coincidentally set there. It is about like a deep evil <laughs> that has like <laughs> overtaken that whole town. Yeah, it's like a it's it's a, a like a passive evil almost. Yeah, like, it's like everyone overlooks it because that's just the way things have always been. Yeah, which I feel like is applicable to U.S. the U.S. in, in a very real way. Mm-hmm. And that's another part reason why I like this movie so much. I was very caught off guard when near the end he says, uh, we're going to make Stratford great again. (laughs) 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 It's weird how much that sort of ideology just roots itself in limiting others from joining something. Yeah. And like, that's crazy. (laughs) Like it's just, it's wild because it feels so applicable because this movie came out in, 2006, 2007, so it's just, it's great. Maybe the campaign writers were like watching Edgar Wright movies when they were... I assure you they were not. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be way funnier about this entire thing. Uh, One thing that threw me off in this movie, and it's a little telling because I'm ignorant when it comes to actors in general, but seeing Olivia Colman, (laughs) because this movie was before she won her Oscar, um, and I think before she won an Emmy as well, and it's just like, Oh, you're you're so funny in this movie. She's the, the female cop. Yeah, because she's also she's, in Fleabag. Yes. Yeah. She's she was my second favorite cop. She's genuine, genuinely hilarious. And like earlier, I talked about how this movie feels so wholesome. <laughs> and I think the biggest sticking point in the movie is Olivia Coleman's character on the police force because she is the only woman on the police force. Yeah. And it's always treated as like a oh man you. You might get lucky, kind of like, oh, like the, the, the very on-the-nose sexual comedy. But the way it's done, it always makes me laugh because it doesn't feel gross. It feels like it's making fun of the people who think that's funny. And I love that about this movie. And that she's, like, so often the initiator of all yeah. those jokes. And yeah. everyone always bursts into laughter yeah. at the same time. And then the dude who looks like Bill Hader, but... Yeah, <laughs> but Stephen King Bill Hader. Yeah, Stephen <laughs> King Bill Hader. He's something a little bit off about. Yeah. I love that he's the dumbest person on the squad. <laughs> and every time there's a group laugh, he's always the last person to laugh. Because he doesn't get this. And it's one of those running gags that I think is just, it really encapsulates the type of humor in this movie. There's so many running gags that when you catch up to them, it's like, oh, that's great. Oh my gosh, this other one happened. Oh, that's so fun. I'm happy that you set this up the entire movie. Like, that's cool. And then we meet uh, the other people who inhabit the town. We are introduced to the Neighborhood Watch Association, also known as the NWA, which feels like, a real missed opportunity. <laughs> real missed opportunity. Because uh, one thing, listening to the director's commentary, when the big shootout happens mm-hmm. at the end of the movie and the priest comes comes out, this is the one scene that I always remember because it was in the trailers for Hot Fuzz where the priest comes and says, why is so much violence? There's no need for all this violence. Can't we talk about this? And he's like, no, blah, blah, blah. He, he says something. He's like, oh, fuck this. and then Or fuck off, grasshopper, is what he says. Mm-hmm. That would have been the perfect opportunity to be fuck the police and then have the NWA song play. <laughs> and they had talked about I thought I thought about that every time I've seen this movie. And then mm. listening to the director's commentary, like, we were gonna use fuck the police. Mm. But we ended up doing another NWA joke earlier. So we thought it'd be like we didn't want to double down on a similar joke. And I was like, okay. oh my god. What restraint? <laughs> I I'm sorry, I'm all over. Did the, the place. trailers I, 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 I'm enjoying 
seeing how much you enjoy this movie to be honest like it's kind of entertaining for me just to like see you be so happy um uh did they sell this movie in the trailers like with mostly the third act yes they sold this as an action movie <laughs> oh, that, some people had to have gone to the theater then and just had like a wild experience then right well i, I think a fun funny action movie okay. in the genre of like the funny guys yeah with the will ferrell uh mark Wahlberg movie <laughs> which i feel like is a perfect comparison to this movie mm -hmm. and just why i think this is so much better than most comedies because that does feel like just people talking at each other joke happens move on and and that movie's incredibly mean-spirited it's very <laughs> it, yeah it's like punching down all the time there's so much like what movie are you talking about? It's called The Other Guys. It's oh, I actively avoid making sure I see anything with Will Ferrell in it because I think he's insufferable. <laughs> yeah, I do remember you not being a huge Will Ferrell. Fan. <laughs> uh, one of one of the things that always strikes me about this movie is just um, it feels like there's a lot of jokes that happen that I often think like there's no way they could have wrote this. Like we we talked about our our shared love of the Andes earlier. Mm -hmm. The the scene where Andy one gets in Nicholas Angel's face and then leaves frame only oh, that, to come back. Yeah. Like <laughs> surely you don't write something like that, right? Like that has to be a thing. It just happens on set. I think that was um, like ad libbed on set. Oh man, I, Adam's a huge fan of this movie. This is like one of his favorite movies. So we watched it together, and he had a lot of just like. Did you know this? I have a fun fact about this. And that was like one of his fun facts. You got your own director's commentary. Yeah. It's just an Adam commentary. But but I think that's what happens when you have assembled a cast of such talented people. Because like whether we know them or not, like the thing that uh, Edgar Wright was saying, like, I can't believe we managed to get this person. And they're in the movie for like three minutes. But mm -hmm. like he's just talking about all the members of the NWA, British actors who I have no idea what they've been in. Um, you know, someone who is an extra in Straw Dogs, like... Oh, I can't remember his name, but he was, like, an older... One of the older cops, but he's the ringleader in Moulin Rouge. And it's so jarring because <laughs> he has such a, a specific yell in Moulin Rouge that I kept hearing. It doesn't make sense with him being, like, an old cop. You think he's yeah. about to burst in a song yeah. at every point in the movie? <laughs> and, and just to assemble that kind of clout is, like, wild. Like, do you know who Timothy Dalton is? I mean, I know his name. Yeah, like, he, he was James Bond. <laughs> so, like, he got a James Bond actor to, to be the main villain in his movie. Like, that's just, that's funny. Like, in a way that I think a lot of the humor might not have hit you as well. Because you haven't seen pretty much every movie that this <laughs> references. The reason why I like Hot Fuzz is because it's just a love letter to action movies. When Simon Pegg goes into Nick Frost, the, his, like, best friend cop... They go to his house and he says, um, what do you want to watch? Bad Boys Bad Boys 2 or um, Speed? And he's like, oh, which, what does he say? I, I forget. But he's like, no, which one do you want to watch first? And his Nicholas Frost character is, his reality is painted by action movies. Mm. That's the lens through which he perceives the world. And that's also the lens through which this movie was made. You know how you watch Speed and you, like, love how dumb Speed is? This movie is honoring the legacy of how dumb action movies are. And it does it in a way that's just so loving. Like, there's just straight-up scenes that are recreated yeah. from other action scenes. Like, where, um, what's Nick Frost's character's name? Danny? Danny? 
Danny. I've seen this movie 20 times, but I'm so bad at names. I'm so bad at names. But he goes to see his mind remembers everything. That's mm. why he doesn't no take notes. notes. No notes. Names aren't important, baby. I just gotta remember the moments. Those are what really matter. And his dad's running away, and he he's aiming the gun at him, but he he can't pull the trigger, and so he just shoots in the air while yelling, as we saw set up earlier in the movie, where he's just referencing Breakpoint. Like that's the kind of precision that this movie's crafting around. Like. Michael Bay's always the go-to when it comes to action movies. Like, that's anyone's point. You, you know who Michael Bay is, even though you've probably never seen yeah, a Lens Michael flares. Bay movie. Lens flares, rotating cameras, and that happens in the movie. But it's not all at once. The movie builds to all of these action tropes in the final scene. And it seems like Nicholas Angel's doing his best to prevent them at every cost. Like, he just... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then finally in the third act, it all unfolds. We have the rotating 360-degree shot. We have the shit just got real moment. Everything. Everything is just, oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. He jumps through the air while shooting two guns and saying, ah, you know, that, that, that's what this movie is. I know. They talked about it earlier <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> but it, it, it's that type of thing. Then they where did it. it. It's just callbacks to every type of action movie in the world. And one thing that I didn't know is how much Edgar Wright wanted to make a Tony Scott movie. I, I didn't really, I don't that know. That sentence is incredibly, means nothing to me. I, you know who Ridley Scott is? Uh, yeah, he like wrote some stuff. Yeah, Tony Scott's his brother who who's dead. <laughs> Okay, but why is he important? He, he makes a lot of action movies that are visually striking. Um, and, and that's a thing that you see a lot in the final scene. Apparently, like a lot of the action, I always wondered why it looks so weird when, mm. when the gunfights are unfolding. It almost looks like people are like teleporting out of frame and then re-entering frame. They use a hand crank camera to recreate an effect of like people are – it's a, a hand crank camera that – I don't know the specifics behind it, but it's shooting based on how fast you're turning it. So if you aren't turning it at a consistent mm. rate, people will appear in and out of frame. But it also makes action scenes a little more tense. It's like as like a analog speed ramping. Exactly. That's yeah, cool. yeah, there you go. And, and it's just like that kind of like that's what Edgar Wright wanted to do yeah. from the get-go. So just having such a clear vision for how, for how action scenes unfold. Whereas a lot of people who do write action scenes in Hollywood, they do write... The main characters fight and then they leave a choreographer to figure out the rest like this is very precise and he knew what he wanted from the get-go which is pretty neat mm. but joey what, what 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 is it about hafaz that didn't work for you what, what did you not like i it, it's hard to pin like i feel like we've talked about other movies where it's like oh i didn't like this there was no plot or like oh i didn't like the acting or like i did I, like it, it, this feels old or dated or i i don't like that it, it, i watched persona um but that's like, weird man <laughs> but but like here it, it's hard to like pinpoint like a, a oh i i didn't like this movie because of because of x or y it's it was just a general i don't feel like invested or gripped by it mm. like i and 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 i don't know what that intangible element is that like makes me or anyone for that matter like actively engaged in something and interested in it hmm. like 
I feel like I can recognize some stuff that was cool about it. I feel like it, I can appreciate the the writing independent of the movie. I can appreciate like some of the fun visual gags they were doing in the background of, of shots. Um, big fan of, of James Bond smiling and then smiling in a picture in the background. Like, <laughs> that's, that's probably the most memorable frame of the movie for me. That's a pretty good one. Um, but, but like, I guess there wasn't anything that like struck me as like, wow, this is why this is amazing. But there's also nothing where it's like, oh, I don't like this. It, it was, it was like a very, it was like a very medium ride the whole way. So it's no green book is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> the green book was a fast paced ride. Literally. They had to go across the country. I feel like it was pretty slow paced. That's a long ride. <laughs> across the country. Um, I I I liked the third act more than the other ones just because I I am a fan of like comedy violence. <laughs> um, it's like oh that's silly to watch someone get their head chomped on by a the the old woman who gets kicked in the face at the crossroads. So good. That and uh, like kicking the bucket at at the person like but I I I'm pretty sure I wrote down like old lady kicked in the face is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> For the same reason that once upon a time in Hollywood, I loved like the the, the, the you know the the can of coffee in the face. See, like, but those two scenes feel so, so tonally different. <laughs> but they elicit the same type of <laughs> reaction so, from me. You just like violence. Oh, no, 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 he doesn't just like violence. He likes violence towards women. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna say what Nick was gonna say, and I was very like on the defensive. And then I'm like, oh, she's not gonna bring that up. And then Nick's just like ramping it. That's not what I think. That's not. That's not what's funny. I mean, there is something funny about it in this movie, though, which is why, like, I don't know. I. I uh, how do you make something like that funny? Like, I don't know what it is about that specific. Because on paper, an old woman getting kicked in the face, not funny. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? <laughs> Disagree. But the way it happens in the movie, is so is it because it's so over the top? It might be just as simple as the sound effect, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's established. I, I don't think it would be quite as funny if it was, like, fully accidental and just, like, moved if on. she was from innocent. Yeah, if she was completely uninvolved, I think, I think. Or, or that because like we get like this weird catharsis moment of we so long, like, you know, homies trying to be the most best straight lace proper cop ever. And yeah. then that devolves into a moment of like, oh, now you're kicking grandma in the face. Yeah. Like, it, it's such it's a stark contrast for his character. That's probably where some of the humor comes from too. Yeah. He's Michael Douglas and falling down. He's just had it. He's had enough. He's going to start killing fools now. Um, That's what you like. You like you like the men who rise up <laughs> and fight back <laughs> at a corrupt Ooh, system. We have like a death wish coming up. <laughs> I oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't know. I like I like that it also transfers from like a full on like type of violence to like a comedy violence because like even the scenes where it's like a western shootout in, in the middle of town square are so different than the scenes in the supermarket where like people are attacking them with pineapples <laughs> like i do love that one of the cops just shoots at the kids throwing fruit at them. <laughs> hey, coral and you you had talked about like you you're you're a big fan of edgar wright but mm -hmm. this movie wasn't necessarily in your your top tier echelon yeah. of edgar wright how did you feel about it after watching it again like this is the first time i've i've paid attention very closely start to finish. It's always been a movie uh, 
every boyfriend has made me watch. Oh, <laughs> so that comes with like a bit <laughs> of like resistance, I think. Um, so this is the first time I like really gave it a full close watch and it's, I enjoyed it, but it is definitely something that I admire more than I like feel super invested in. But I do, I do think it is just a movie that feels it's all of its cultural reference points. The story it's telling is, is less aimed at me than something like Scott Pilgrim, which is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. I feel like that movie is made for me. I yeah. wonder if I'd like Scott Pilgrim more. Mm -hmm. Like I would say even something like Shaun of the Dead is probably more your jam yeah. than Hot Like you talked about that, but more so mm -hmm. because it is about, like if Hot Fuzz is to like action movies, then Shaun of the Dead is to horror movies right. and, and zombie movies like specifically. Mm -hmm. If this is a movie that every boyfriend makes you watch, do you have a movie that, you, that goes the opposite way that you make... Buffy's probably the closest. I make people wait. The movie least. or the show? The show. Okay. It's a long haul. They, <laughs> it's a real test of the relationship. But they always fall for Angel uh, in the end. Don't I they? know, which is the worst. Do. It's a worst show. Well, I don't understand. What's the blonde guy? Spike? Is that Spike? A good name. Mm -hmm. I don't like. I don't think that guy's hot at all. I, all, all the goth girls seem to love him my, growing up. Truly, I think my first crush Spike. was Spike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. It's the, it's the bleached hair. Yeah. Yes. Billy yeah. Idol. Mine was the neighbor across the street. <laughs> was, How sweet. Were they named Spike, too? <laughs> oh, it was Amber. Amber. What was your first crush? What's her last name? What? <laughs> Those doctor. She has, she has, I shit you not, five children now. Dude, those could have been your kids. They could have been my kids. They would have never been my kids. <laughs> Joey, I think we're running near the end. We, we, we are. And I, like, ah, I feel like every other movie we've watched, I finished watching it, and I haven't had any need to, like, go back or feel like I made a mistake or something. Mm -hmm. But... I f with 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 your such with your such passionate defense and like the just knowing the denseness of the movie, it, this is the only this is the first one that makes me feel like well maybe I'm wrong and I should like give this a different chance or like try and watch it in a different light or think about it differently or see a second viewing, um, be, be, because yeah like like other movies I, I feel like really steadfast and like let me explain to you what I don't like about this mm. but but I don't have that feeling for Hot Fuzz. Uh, that I do think it is a movie that holds up on rewatch viewings because I think it's designed to be rewatched in that like Simon Pegg specifically over Edgar Wright said like in the era of DVDs and because this movie came out when DVDs were all the rage um, now we're on Blu-rays and now 4K Ultra Discs whatever they're called but he said that when you make a movie now that we have the ability to have affordable entertainment that like you can rewatch movies so much cheaper than you could in the era of VHS that this, this was a straight out of Simon Pegg's mouth that like creators and filmmakers have like almost an obligation or should have the obligation to make things designed for people who want to pause the movie at any possible moment for, for them to study something. Mm -hmm. and, and he said that when he wrote like part of the movie with Edgar that they had designed this movie to be like that. That there's something new to take away every time you pause on a different frame. And I was like, that's really cool. Like, that's a commitment that I understand why any filmmaker wouldn't want. But when you think about the romanticism surrounding movie making, I think that every filmmaker sets out to make something that is like, I, I think 
the best possible version of what it could be and then it gets compromised by the studio or external factors and they end up saying well we shot this thing it's a miracle it even got made anyway let's move on to the next scene and i i think that there's such an uncompromising commitment to to the vision in a movie like this that it's just like i want to be able to make something that's as layered and dense as this so like how did he do it and i want to learn how because i never i never hope to be the person who's like well we did the thing let's just let's just move on like you're making a movie that's so cool like commit to it a little more yeah and i understand why you wouldn't but it's also cool that there are people who share a similar mindset but but what joey is this better or worse than green book it's better than the green book wow <laughs> but like not by a lot it's not oh. <laughs> there's no collateral is what you're saying we gotta stop using that as that, well, gotta that, watch a better movie <laughs> <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta recommend a better movie no no where would you put this in the lineup of joey hates movies movies no so they gotta go look at the letterbox i gotta resort it um I, I, I gotta give Coral an update so that's so yeah it is it is missing it. the last two it's, I it's think. missing the last two and now now this so I, I I gotta I gotta put it in there I I think it's it's in the top half but like not by much which so it's probably like in like the 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 60th percentile so just a little bit better than systemic racism yes yeah, a little bit better <laughs> than systemic racism gotcha maybe it's some like British humor man that's what it is dude no. um Fleabag begs to differ. The more I think about that, the more that I wonder if that's like true British humor, if it's like kind of like oddly even more westernized in some way. I think the um, humor in Fleabag is a little bit meaner, to be honest, than Hot Fuzz. I, and I think that's what you enjoy. I like, you like, I like mean humor. I like mean humor. That's okay. That's okay. That's a thing. <laughs> um, but normally this would be the part where Coral would choose her, yep. her, her next pick. We're doing something a little bit different the oscars are we gonna are we gonna, are we gonna well they what? have to they, 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 no we already know yeah, we know to. who won the oscars no i was gonna <laughs> they don't know when we recorded this they know who won the we know who won the oscar <laughs> at time of recording the oscars we we had decided before we recorded this that we were going to record the next podcast based on whatever one best picture in to the honor country. the tradition that we started last year with the green book yeah yeah so i was Thoroughly convinced that when we decided this, that we were going to have to watch Joker. I I thought 1917, and that would be tolerable. Well, I, I also thought it was going to be 1917. I I had a feeling it would be 1917, but the the pessimistic side of right. me, based on the Green Book record, was like it's going to be. Joker. <laughs> Who won like the the similar award of like the Golden Globes or other? It was uh, I think 1917. Yeah, okay, 1917. But uh, Joker nor 1917 won. Nope. It was um, another movie with subtitles, Joey. <laughs> it's Parasite. I'm excited to tell Coral a story about Parasite that you already know, mm-hmm. um, and and watch the movie. I'm excited. I I mean, I, this this isn't a hot take based on at least you know the social circles we follow or like Twitter, but like I was very excited to see that that happened. It was a, it was like a nice moment. I can't remember the last time I watched the Oscars, and at the end, I was like, 
great. What a pleasant. <laughs> I was genuinely baffled. My my heart was racing anytime Bong Joon-ho was involved in any of the nominations. Anytime I got all tensed up, he ended up winning, yeah. which was great. Um, Joey, this, this film is in, set in Korea. It is in Korean. It's in Korean. A piece of information that Nick didn't tell me the first time. But you love Korea. You you love Korea. Sure, I'll go with that. You, you said before, I love Korea. Yeah, I, I want to eventually go. Because you're like Nick, you love Japan. You know what's better than Japan? Korea. Hmm. So I was like, oh wow, that's just a thing that stands out to me about Joey now. <laughs> Japan, Japan. It's unexpected. Yeah. Not as good as Korea. <laughs> I think it's because that's where Starcraft comes from. Oh. That's where Dota comes from. That's not true. Don't <laughs> don't pay me with that. Um, I'm that's excited. Where esports live. I'm excited to catch up with everybody and watch Parasite. So, watch Parasite, the best picture winner of 2019. Which you can, like, do on Amazon for, like, $3 or something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You should watch it. Um, it's pretty good. I think so. Uh, Cole, I'm a fan. Yeah. You're, you're, you're excited it. about this one? Yeah, I'm glad to rewatch it. So, thank you all for listening. And if you want to get this episode early, consider backing us over on patreon.com slash cybergarbage. There, you will get a video and audio version of this podcast, usually the week that we record it. And it doesn't hit the, the freeloader feeds until, like, what, three weeks later? It's a period of time. Sometimes it's, like, uh, two weeks. So, you never know how longer. long you're going to go without the next <laughs> yeah, Joey Hates Movies You know, fix. it's I'll admit it's my fault. So, even more reason to back us over on Patreon because... You never know when you're going to get it otherwise, baby. But this way, steady drip feed every other week. And every other week, we do uh, Garbage Game Club, which is our video game version of this podcast. Um, but thank you all for listening and or watching. And we will see you next time after you watch Parasite. <laughs>